Hey everybody, I hope everybody is doing good. Uh, let's see, today will be another great time enjoying another one of my podcasts. If you do like my podcasts, YouTube channels or anything, please like and subscribe. It really helps me out. Any feedback will be great too. So let's get on with it. What do you think racing and Al Capone speakeasies and the start of prohibition have to do with each other? Well, let's just say back in the 1920s, January 17th to be exact, was the time that Woodrow Wilson passed the 18th Amendment, which was the start of Prohibition. You weren't allowed to have any alcohol at all. It would be illegal. They did this to save grain from the end of World War One. Well, Al Capone became big time out in Chicago for this. He killed a lot of people, became the head of the Mafia and it was mainly because of the illegal moonshine they were creating. A lot of the people would open speakeasies in the basements of buildings. And no, the government did not know about that so it was more or less keeping everything on the down low so they wouldn't find the moonshine and that's where you got bootleggers from that's nowadays bootlegging CDs and stuff making them illegal back then they were running them so they would run them all over and they had to soup the cars and get them better than the cops well in 1932, Ford introduced a, the 1932 V8 Roadster. This was the main car that the moonshiners used. Had a big back seat, big trunk that could put a lot of the moonshine in there and run them. It was a hefty price back in 1932. The Roaster sold for $495, the Coupes sold for $490, and the Sedans for $650. It was such a great car, they sold nearly 300,000 of them. Okay, then in 1933, Roosevelt, he found out how much money the government was losing and such. So he, on December 5th, 1933, signed the end of Prohibition. Well, there was a guy running him called Junior Johnson. He actually became a, a legitimate racer. His father got arrested for having moonshine. Still to this day, Nobody can actually 
top how much money how much he had he got arrested with 70,000 gallons of liquor still to this day it's the largest the largest land seizure of liquor back in 1935 they had eight races okay now in 1948 they started what's called generations and that's where they would change the cars generation one it was mainly a stock frame and body which you can buy right off the dealer room shore floor their doors or uh, strapped welded shut back then you had to have seat belts and the axle was heavier duty than what they sell so it stopped them from flipping February 15th 1948 was the first legitimate race on a beach and it wasn't oval it was a road track in June 19th 1949 instead of racing on the beach they raced on asphalt that was the first time that moonshiners actually raced on asphalt in 1949 also they adapt they adapted the name strictly stock division 619 1949 Jim Roper driving a Lincoln in Charlotte North Carolina had the top speed of 80 miles an hour they then in 1950s adapted the name Grand Nationals in 1950 Bill Rexford won the season with a whopping $6,100 also the same year the top speed went to 90 miles an hour in one lap now people try different things and such one of my coolest facts is Tim Flock put a monkey in his car and they named the monkey Jocko Flock and he had this going for a few races until the monkey got hit in the head with a nut that came off the track and got hit in the head and when he got hit in the head it made Jocko go kind of crazy so he had to drive around the track and come into the pits with a monkey that was going nuts when he got into the pits he told his crew hurry up get this crazy monkey off my back well in 1953 Junior Johnson 
won the Southern 500. 1955, the Hudson Hornet. First manufacturer to provide factory support to NASCAR teams. Three years after that, a little known guy who would become, in my eyes, the best racer ever, Richard Petty, 1958, raced his first race. In 1964, something I think was a great idea should have been introduced years before, the fire suit, or mandated. Some wore them before, but now they were mandatory. Every driver must wear them, or they could not get behind the wheel. In 1966, it was the end of Generation 1. They came out with Generation 2, which was a stock body, but you had to get the frame modified, strengthened. They were going at such speeds now that the frame would actually flex in different spots and could crack. This is when 1969 is the Daytona, Plymouth Daytona. It was so fast, so powerful, and so well aerodynamically made that nobody can beat it. It had the record for doing the fastest lap ever. And NASCAR said, no, we can't do this. That was the only car to get outlawed by NASCAR. Well, push ahead. And only a couple months, and they changed their name to which stood for years called the Nashville Winston Cup which stands for National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing. In 1972 another racer, some of you might have heard of him, Bobby Allison joined NASCAR and raced his first race. Well, Richie Petty went ahead a few months later and got his fourth Daytona 500. And he was racing a Dodge Charger at that point. In 1981 was a Generation 3. They had to still have the strengthened frame but they reduced everybody's wheelbases you now had to have a hundred and ten inch wheelbase so from back tire to front could not be any more than a hundred and ten inches NASCAR downsized the cars to resemble the showroom cars so mainly when you go to buy a car and you look at it on the TV, it should pretty much look the same. And to get the body panels, you still had to go through 
the major car dealers. So 1982, Dale Waltrip won his first race in Charlotte, North Carolina, where, if you don't remember, that is where the first asphalt race was was ran. So that's a pretty prestigious award right there. Well, in 1985, Bill Elliott set a few qualifying records for going well over 200 in a Ford Thunderbird. Nineteen ninety-two generation four cars came out. They were heavily modified bodies. They didn't look really anything like what they did off the showroom floor. Teams would spend hours in a in a wind tunnel adjusting the aerodynamics of the cars to get the advantage over other teams. This is when they start coming out with fiberglass parts, fiberglass doors, hoods, roofs, anything like that to get the advantage. Well, in 1995, Chevrolet pulled out the Lumina and decided to throw in a little faster car called the Monte Carlo. Jeff Gordon drove that car to four championships. Fort Taurus in 1998 was the first four-door stock car approved by NASCAR. Everything else was two-door. In, 19, in 2005, a Hans device, which goes over the shoulder and attached to the back of the helmet and goes down the chest and on the back, it is used so your neck can't flop back and forth, front and back, and so that your head cannot move forward and snap your neck. That was mandated in 2005. 2007, Generation 5 came out for the car bodies. This was a whole new era of safety. Okay, the the front splitter, the rear wing, the they both add aerodynamics to the car and they both add downforce which is detrimental to going around the ovals and for keeping your car down on the road courses 2013 was generation 6 which now put unique body panels 
an existing chassis. They make better de body designs to reassemble the original cars. And so up to now, we are racing still on the sixth generation. They are pushing to do a seventh generation. There's a lot of safety features that went into these cars. They now have extra bars. They're not sitting right on the, the door anymore. They're more centerized. There's a lot of things that went in to keep these drivers safe. Let me tell you, they're going 200 miles an hour around a circle. People say, oh, what good is that? Well, think about it. You're going 200 miles an hour around a circle, touching the guy's back bumper when that guy's bumper is touching the guy in front of him's back bumper. You're driving four wide almost touching each other's doors and the margin of error is so small that one little mess up can take out the whole field there's 43 cars and one little mess up can take out all of them so just think about that next time you're watching NASCAR so if you like this video, please like and subscribe, and until next time, be safe.